Many who are curious, even enamored, about the idea of UFOs and extraterrestrial life are searching for an answer. Do they exist? Are we alone? And if not, when will we know the truth? These questions may elude us because maybe we're asking the wrong questions. Maybe the real question is, what is this phenomenon? And more importantly, what does it have to do with us? In my recent talk with filmmaker Alan Stivelman, creator of the new documentary, Witness of Another World, we get a peek into the deeper implications of contact through the eyes of an experiencer named Juan Perez, who at 12 years old had an encounter that would rock his world for decades and maybe even save his life. Witness of Another World is not your typical ET contact story. This is an instinctive look into the human condition, our potential, and how a contact experience, regardless of how disturbing the encounter and its aftermath may be, can open the door to a world of understanding about who we are as individuals and our path in this life and beyond. It's always a pleasure when I get to bring on a filmmaker to higher journeys, particularly within our core genre of what we'd broadly call alternative. It's a different kind of interview and a different sort of discussion where we get to converse about a highly creative process, that which goes into making a film with subject themes woven in that are exploratory, often mysterious and mind stretching, and can leave the viewer with a new perspective on their lives and reality in general. The film we will be discussing today is a perfect case in point. I have with me a brilliant filmmaker named Alan Stivelman, whose newly released documentary, Witness of Another World, takes a deep and unexpected dive into the life of a then young boy named Juan Perez, who was forever changed by his contact encounter at age 12. I say this has an unexpected tone to it because where many films within this genre may focus solely on the experience in an attempt to parse out what happened to the experiencer and moreover what the phenomenon may have been. This film has an aspect to it that involves a real process of self-discovery to it and I have to emphasize that. Once you see the film you'll know exactly what I mean. Obviously I'm not going to do a spoiler here but what I would like to do at this point is have you watch the trailer of the film and when we come back we'll say hello to Alan and dive right into what this film is all about. Let's have have a look and we'll be right back. Alan Stivelman, the creative muse behind this masterpiece. Alan, welcome to Higher Journeys. Hello, Alexi. Thanks you for your words and thanks for, for having me. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. Let me first start off by saying uh, a big congratulations. Once again, I said that as soon as I got you on the phone, I said, this is great. Kudos. Congratulations <laughs> on a film that was so powerfully done. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to screen the film recently. I know it's only been out for about a couple of weeks now. And I have to say, not only was the cinematography absolutely brilliant, but the way you wove in both the key person of this story, that being Juan Perez, as well as depicted him during his encounter as a child and throughout the film, the whole thing was extraordinary. Everyone, you have to see this film to know what I mean. But really, this is top shelf and deeply moving, to say the least. So again, a uh, great, great job. Let's get right into this. First question for you. <laughs> How did you find Juan? I mean, were you searching for someone in this regard to make a film about or did he come to your attention? How did the two of you connect? 
uh, it's well the 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 short the long short story. It's I will I was writing a script in 2013, and it was about an abduction case from a couple of mm, boys from 13 years old. Um, while I was writing this story, I noticed that I was writing a story about a UFO, a UFO subject with entities kidnapping this this girl. And after 30 pages, I realized that I was writing something that I never heard of mm -hmm. because I never heard about an abduction case nor read a book about uh, the UFO phenomenon or abduction. So I stopped there, and the reason why I why I was writing this kind of story was because I was doing automatic writing by really? then. Really, really. Yes, I was practicing another techniques in order to get some new and fresh ideas from my unconscious, probably. And then I realized that I was writing this really weird story, and then I stopped. And I remember that I bought I bought a book from John Mack. Mm -hmm. um, the the psychiatrist. Yes, he, it was from all the his abduction cases that he studied, and then after that, I bought another book from a psychiatrist and a psychologist from Argentina, and in this book, there are plenty of cases from abduction cases from Argentina, and one of the chapters is from uh, Juan Perez for the Juan Perez case. Aha. Uh -huh. And a change of events and synchronicity led me to, to, to Dr. Nestor Berlanda, the author of this book. And he told me that one of the most significant cases for him was the Juan Perez case. And while I was having a, a dinner with him, he showed me uh, a footage from a UFO Congress. And in, in the Congress was Juan Perez trying to explain to a small audience what he saw when he was 12 years old. In that moment, he was 18 years old. Uh -huh. So it was six years after the event. So when he started to to say what he saw, he immediately after he broke down, he started to say something like, you won't believe me. And when I saw that footage, I felt something really Strange. It was like a connection with Juan, with he, when, with his look, with his with his way of of expressing. And then I I I remember that I asked to Doctor Nesto Berlanda that I want to to meet Juan. I want to go to the countryside to to meet him in person because it will be the first person that had an encounter around my my world because it was something really new for me i was interested in the supernatural world but my main passion was archaeology and the search of a lost civilization mm -hmm. in the americas that was my main field of research for for more than 10 years i also did a a, a movie a spiritual movie a spiritual journey with a shaman in the andes but the ufo world was really new for me. So then after four months, I went with Dr. Nesto Berlanda to the to Acevedo, a little town that Juan was living at that time. 
he was living in a in a small hacienda and i remember that i met him we we spent the whole day with him but since the moment of my arrival he started to share with me all of his knowledge from the farm and then he started to share his case and while he was talking to me what about what he saw what he experienced he started to cry mm -hmm. and then i i stopped my camera because i didn't want to i i don't know i felt bad trying to 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 record his words while he was crying so i Then I stopped my camera, I sat next to him, and I just listened to what he wanted to, to tell me. It was a very powerful moment for me. Uh, I was with, with my friend, uh, Lucia, and she felt the same. She was feeling really strange ne sitting next to him. I don't know why, probably his aura, I yeah. don't know. Sure. It I was really strange to be next to a person that was... A contactee, and also he was suffering for more than three decades. Yes. So it was quite, quite powerful for all of us. Well, I have to tell you, as you're telling that story, and I'm wondering this, what you just described, there's a similar scene in the film in which you're sitting next to him. And he, guys, he sheds a lot of tears in this, uh, in this uh, t retelling or the, this documentary. But what was that the The, the scene that, that I'm talking about, is that the occasion in which you pulled out and put into the film, or is this another situation where you were sitting Another outside? situation. Another no, situation. another situation. Yeah, four years, uh, no, sorry, five years before that we start this project. Ah, uh, because, and I yeah. wanted to bring up that. Uh, we'll, we'll it's really it. similar. It, it was really similar to yeah. the scene that it's on the film. It's The, the, the atmosphere was the same. Interesting, but I but but when I start the project, the film, I had all the tools that I need to to make this project. When I when the anecdote that I'm telling you now, I, I was really naive. I I didn't have any kind of knowledge about how to deal with a person that was suffering from a trauma. I didn't know nothing about the UFO phenomenon, so I I was quite shocked with that with that moment there is something that comes through this film alan and this is why i'm giving you kudos you know i could say congratulations to filmmakers all day long because they do good job but there's something about this film that is so visceral to those who will see it particularly those that are experiencers those who, who may not be the interaction between you and juan i don't want to jump the gun here but i've got to bring this up at this juncture because i have to tell you that All that you're describing comes through so clearly. There is clearly a link between the two of you. I got the sense that you came into this man's life to help him mm. in a big way. And that mm. interaction that I'm seeing right now in front of my face, by the way, guys, it's so good. I saw it again yesterday. I wanted to see it again. And I'll probably see it a third time. There's a tenderness, a connection an innocence between the two of you, and yet such a power that's exchanged. It's almost as if you were there to heal each other. I I, I don't want to go off on a tangent there, but I can't escape that um, that aspect that came through clear to me. But let's leave that for now, because we could take the whole hour and talk about that. 
Let's instead, and thank you for sharing that initial uh, encounter uh, or exchange with us. But I want to go into uh, perhaps if you can give us a brief overview of Juan's initial experience when he was 12. And it's interesting because you don't spend a lot of time on the encounter, but all of the things that surround it. Um, you spent enough, obviously. We're going to get into yes. that. But uh, if you could just give us, set the stage as to what happened. And also no uh, talk about no the problem. press conference as well. I want to, um, I think we you begin with that, where he breaks what, down at the, at the press what, conference. What, what are you saying is pretty interesting because now we, we, we are having, receiving plenty of good reviews, mm-hmm. but also we are receiving plenty of critics from people that wanted to know more about what happened to Juan, about his case, about what he saw, about the shape of the object, about the beings, about the probably some proofs about that contact. And as a filmmaker, at the beginning of the project, I wanted to do a movie about the UFO phenomenon in order to to try to express another kind of theories around this phenomenon, mm-hmm. another kind of explanations. But while I was working with Juan, dealing with a traumatized person, and now after, but after like six months since we begin, we began this project, I realized that I was making a movie about a person, about a, per- a person's life. Yes. So I prefer to portray the human aspect of the UFO phenomenon rather to jump into uh, uh, more explanations about the phenomenon, more details about what he saw, because the focus will be the phenomenon rather than the person, the human being. Right. So I think that those people that are feeling frustration about the movie because there are no details or proofs about the the contact it's really hard to make physical proofs because Juan had has it for example he had a mark on his arm there was a mark on the on the grass where the UFO landed also the the horse died 24 hours later yes. mm-hmm. but those proofs are not enough to prove the existence because the skeptical will say that it's not enough and the ufo fans will say oh give me more give me more details but i prefer just to heal a person try to make a movie an experiment an experiment as an experiment in order to bring plenty of pieces for example the shamans jack ballet mm-hmm. a psychiatrist we all we we all like gather together as a family with one mission, with one goal, and was just to help Juan in order to get more integration because what Juan didn't have was an integration of that experience when he was 12. And that was the most terrible part for him mm-hmm. because he, besides that he received mockery from his family, from his friends, he also received the precognitive uh, gift or the premonition dreams yes. that w- for him was a living hell. Well, that's the the background of why I chose to make the this perspective for the film rather than to show plenty of 
details about his case. You will see that the, ca on the case in the movie is just 10 minutes, but the whole experience for Juan lasts for uh, two hours. So what he saw was, let me try to explain the story. It was six o'clock in the morning of September 6, 1978. Juan leaves his house to go in search of the herd of horses to begin the tasks of the field. Before going to school, Juan had a strict tasks to do. Uh, Juan rides his horse Comet, that was the name of his horse, and gallops a few meters until suddenly three lights in the sky began to dance frenetically. His horse was scared. He did not want to move forward. Juan returns home and explains the situation to his father, that he had seen three strange lights in the skies, and the father ignores him completely and tells Juan to return and begin the task of the field. Juan goes back to Comet and observes that a thick fog covers the entire field. And without fear, he decides to cross it, but his horse was a little scared. So it was really difficult for Juan to make him, to make him move forward. When crossing the fog bank, Juan sees that a white circular object was landed on the ground. And Juan, in the original reports, mentions that he thought that he was seeing a kind of tractor or a house for farm workers. He never said the word ship or craft. And this is really important for me that I want to highlight with you because the throughout the whole experience, Juan always thought that he was seeing something that was really familiar to him. Mm -hmm. That was the reason that he was not scared. And then a gate of the object opens and a tall being looks out and invites him to go up. A ladder descends from the ship. Juan shyly approaches with his horse, gets off and ties the stirrups to the ladder. Juan climbs the ladder as he can and finally he succeeds. Juan enters a very strange space for him. Uh, on his right side, he sees a tall, this tall being, it, it was about three meters tall, and he's mo watching monitors and making hand movements as if he were typing on a touch screen. And on his left side, he observes that there is a small being, a meter and a half tall, who is cutting meat on a transparent table. A uh, very important detail that I want to mention is that in front of Juan there was uh, like a mirror or a wall that prevents Juan from going to the other side. Mm -hmm. It was something like an electromagnetic field. Juan tries to cross the wall with his hands, but he can't. On the contrary, the small being moves from one place to another without problems. Suddenly, the, gates, the gate begin, begins to close, and Juan is scared because he's afraid that his father will challenge him for being entertained. He quickly gets off the ship and sees that his horse was injured because he hit the ladder. The tall being appears next to Juan and ask him, Juan asks him for help. Suddenly, the tall being begins to squeeze Juan's arm and scratch him. 
and I want to stop here because, as you know, in the movie we did a regression yes. with Juan in order to see if there is some lost memories mm -hmm. in this in this uh, memory. Uh, in this case, sorry. And what happened was actually something pretty strange because after that moment, the whole experience in the regression was exactly the same with plenty of details as in the original reports 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. But after this toll being started to squeeze the arm of Juan, something happened because Juan started to fly or travel across the stars. It was really, really strange because we didn't know what was happening with Juan because for more than five minutes he was in silence. And hmm. Dr. Berlanda was a little bit worried also. But I don't want to say what he saw or what he experienced because for me it will be really awesome if you can see it on the on the yes, movie we don't want to do a, it, a spoiler there <laughs> yeah and yeah. it but it was something really really powerful right it was. um mm -hmm. yes can you give me one just one second i i will be right back okay very good i'm going to talk to the audience in the meantime i thought alan just gave an exquisite uh summation or summary of of the uh the encounter itself very beautifully done guys i know at this point uh, i don't want you to turn off the show and <laughs> run and get the movie wait till the show's over and then you can go get it but you're going to want to see it uh i want when Alan comes back and he warned me, he gave me a little warning that he had to answer the door. So I'm going to do a little talking in the meantime. Uh, I'm here. There he is. Okay. I was, I was getting on a roll with the audience. Just kind of breaking this down. Listen, I want to say this first and foremost. Thank you so much for a most uh, exquisite summation of the encounter. However, this is the main thing I wanted to say to you. I feel again, Alan Stibbleman, that you were divinely guided to one you were not only divinely guided to into his life, but to take the direction that you took. And I'm going to say for the record, I don't care who's out there criticizing the skeptics that are out there. Uh, we have a lot in the field of ufology that are just looking for proof. And I say, and I've said it many times, the only place you will find proof is in mathematics and in alcohol. <laughs> and I'm quoting Dr. Dean Radin. I think it's so apropos. We've got to get off of this idea of proof. It's about experience. And moreover, it's about self-discovery. This is why I was so moved by this film, because of the approach that you took and the courage that you took in taking this approach. You did the right thing. So I'm going to say on the record, I, we may have some detractors out there, so be it. But to me, Alan, this is what this whole idea of our um, interacting with non-human intelligence is all about. There's something deep and connected to us that I feel have always felt it's trying to show us. And therefore, I'll leave that there. But my friend, you did the right thing. This is why it's an extraordinary film, because it's about the individual and how this still... Uh, anomalous, mysterious encounter sought to bring him to a place of healing that perhaps he wouldn't have had had he not had the experience. So there you go. I'm gonna leave Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I Thank you for your words. And... Well, I feel strongly about that. So 
so let's move on. And we're going to get more into this aspect because this is what the film is really about, this individual. You know, it's clear throughout Juan's life he's been deeply emotional and even, like we said, weepy about what happened to him. You know, we see many tears throughout this film. And I remember where he says specifically, he says, uh, quote, his experience was neither beautiful nor ugly. It was neither beautiful mm. nor ugly. This type of perception has to make for so much confusion for the experiencer, for Juan. Did you get that impression, Alan, as you got to know him, that he was, wasn't quite sure what to feel? Yes, totally. It's, and for me, it was, it took me more than five years to understand what Juan was feeling because it was really hard for him also. And one of the things that I that I realized that the traumatic part on Juan was not the experience. I thought the whole, all of these years that the experience was really hard for him, but the experience itself, it was not something bad because those beings were not mean with him i think the the people the human beings yeah. were mean to him because he was treated like as a lunatic as a madman uh, a liar a drunk person so he received plenty of insults all of his life and um, but the most traumatic part for him was the precognitive dreams really because hmm. those dreams he, he received those dreams every night. He says that if he goes to sleep and lies on his right side, uh -huh. he will enter a real dream, more real than our reality. That was his words. And those dreams were mainly about accidents, about death, from people that are around him. And he was not able to stop them from happening, those events from happening, because he felt if those events happened, and plenty of, of those events happened, actually, he he felt really guilty because he, he felt that it was his fault. So that was a living, living nightmare for him. But what Juan didn't know was that well, after this encounter, the encounter itself was a trigger mm -hmm. for something that it is, yeah, for how can I express it? It's the precognitive dreams or the premonition dreams are the most significant gift for the Guaranis. And the Guaranis are his roots, his ancestors. We're going to get to that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, but he didn't know that. And that was something that was really hard for Juan because rather to see that uh, as a gift, he started to feel that it was a curse. This idea of um, extraordinary, call it psychic ability, post uh, peak experience, let's let's call this broadly, uh, what we say in the field is a peak experience, whether it's a, a kundalini awakening, a, a contact encounter, something that shifts the individual from one mindset to another, what is invariable is some form of psychic 
proclivity that comes after the experience, Alan. This is not uncommon, by the way, what you're talking about. Second of all, I want to say there's an individual who I worked with years ago who comes to mind, Dr. Bruce Goldberg, and I'm going to name him because specifically he talks about individuals. Now, you said specifically that when Juan slept or sleeps on his right side, this would seem to open up the stream of the precognitive dreams. This is also somewhat known to research that, and it was Dr. Goldberg that talked about those that sleeping on one side will open up a, a different door than sleeping on the other. And I believe it was the right side. Interestingly, that's connected to the left side of the brain, the more logical, but for for one was opening up the, the, the precogni- precognition channel. So I wanted to just point that out as well. Both of these things are well mm. known to research, by the way. So uh, for one, if he ever gets to listen to this for whatever it's worth, and I'm sure he's heard this before, what he is going through, what he has gone through is known to research of those that have had contact encounters. Very, Mm. very common. Yes, yes. But Juan didn't know that. He didn't know it. He didn't know no, because he, he he felt that he was the only one who had this experience, of this course. kind of experience. Right. So that was he was living in a in an isolate mode mm-hmm. all of his life. Sure. He felt that he was the only one suffering with this kind of encounters or experiences. Yeah. This is why seeing this film and I'm gonna make sure to continue to talk about it. This won't just be in a vacuum so important for so many, so many people that reach out to me that are experiencers. So many of us are experiencers, and we all feel we're the only ones. This is another reason why the film's so important. Okay, so I said that. Now, I want to go to you, Alan Stibbleman. I want to jump to something you yourself said in this film. You said, quote, we demonize the unknown. We are afraid of it. You say, I must confess that I also fear the unknown. So I'm going to ask you, Alan, if this is the case for you, and forgive me, I'm going to put you on the spot. You did say it in the film. <laughs> yes. Why, why did you make this film? On some level, do you think this was your way of confronting the unknown head on for you? <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> okay. um, uh, it, it was the first, no, not the first, the, the best way to, to confront and to challenge my own fears because I have to confess in order to get you a better picture of myself. Uh, I was dealing with the idea of death and afterlife for more than f- four years. Hmm. Every night I was asking myself questions about the afterlife, about the phenomenons, about there is a connection between the UFO and the afterlife. What if there is nothing after we we passed away and the light goes off and that's it, end of story. But it's not possible because what happened to Juan? It was I was trying to make plenty of connection with my personal experience mm-hmm. and other pe- people experiences, and then I realized that I have I have to do this this film because it will give me. I don't. I, it was more like a hunch because I felt that I was going to receive uh, plenty of answers if I if I make this this film and and I did because the two main questions that I that I was asking myself was one 
was uh, if there is a connection between the lineage of the contactees mm -hmm. and yes. the UFO phenomenon. And the other question was if there is a connection also between the afterlife and the UFO phenomenon. And I think I got the answers for, for both of them in a very subtle way, but it was mainly for me, not for the for the for the movie or the, the, the audience. The audience was mainly the movie is was about Juan's healing. But in the other side, for me it was also a healing process. I could tell. That's why I asked. <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> Let's get into this intergenerational component, because that's something else that struck me. Like I said, I had to watch this twice, Alan, because there's just so many nuances and so many, there's the, the, the main theme, which is clear. This is about the, um, this is about the emergence of Juan Perez, the mm. person. But there are so many sub, I, I wouldn't even call them sub themes. They're, they're equal. They have equal footing. Uh, but they do come out that for those that are really watching. Um, let me say this first, because before we get, I want to get to the intergenerational component, because I think that's huge, um, yes. a part of this. Uh, but I want to talk first about a scene in the film. And I think we brought this up at the beginning, the scene in the film that I, that I had mentioned where you're sitting and speaking with Juan outside at night, he's crying and you ask yes. him, you ask him if he chose to go back to the past, would he choose to not have this encounter happen? And he says, uh, absolutely, yes, I would choose to not have it happen because he suffered so much. And then he says, I still can't understand. I can't understand what happened to me. Now, at that point, this is where I want to make sure I'm clear. Uh, is this where you were thinking about taking him to see his relatives? Was it in Paraguay? Yes, okay. in Paraguay. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was Uruguay or Paraguay. Was this the point where you had that epiphany where you said, I, I've got uh, I've got to take him, mm. we've got to go deeper. T tell us about that. And then we're going to get into his lineage. Uh, where should I start? Well, <laughs> let me... <laughs> I know, that's uh, a big part. Let me try to explain the most important, okay. like, epiphany, because it's not easy to, to try to relate the ancestry with the UFO phenomenon. But yeah. something special happened to me when I started this investigation with Juan. It was the first year, I, I think it was, yes, the first year of contact with Juan. And one of the visits uh, that I that I did, I wanted to to meet his his relatives. So I went to his house, to his his family house. Juan was not there, and I interviewed his father, and I also spoke with one of his brothers. The mother of Juan, she's a very very tough person she's really shy she doesn't like any kind of researchers people that are, are coming there just to good to get more details about his case she's really tough he she's she doesn't want to she, she doesn't like anyone beside mm -hmm. his family so she was staring at me and suddenly she said alan alan please come come so i like stood up and I was walking towards her and then we started to walk across the the countryside and she confessed like son why are you here and then I started to explain her that I'm here because I wanted to get more details about Juan's life because I want to help him but I don't have the tools 
because I know there are plenty of Juan Perez around the world and we can do something in order to, to help others. And she said, uh, son, you don't understand this uh, because my son was Mark because she was referring to the mark that he has on his right side of the arm. And she said, they are going to kidnap my son and they are going to take him away. And I don't want to, that from happen, to, to, to happen. She was referring to the, to the beings, to the mm -hmm. extraterrestrials. She was really, she was really scared about the, the phenomenon. And, and I have to confess that by that time I was quite skeptical about the UFO phenomenon. At that point. Okay. I, I was more like, I want to believe, but I need proofs. And then she suddenly told me, son, very, very strict. You don't understand. And I said, why? Son, when I was a child, I was kidnapped and they took me away. And the same that happened to Juan happened to me. And then I, I, I remember that I got frozen. I didn't know how, what words to say. And then she started to speak pretty normal about all the other things, silly things. Mm -hmm. It was like a sudden speech that came out of her. And it was really something really private, re really intimate, because no one in his family knew about that secret, that when she was a child, she was also kidnapped from this phenomenon. And then I remember that plenty of years I was dealing with the idea that what happened to Juan probably happened to his mother and this comes from generation to yes. generation. Right. And I know that I do I did this movie thanks to those words. Those words were my fuel. Really? Not just yeah, though because I wanted to know more about his mother, and in a, in a way, I wanted to heal that person. I I was not able to interview her. Uh, it's not part of the movie, but is the the heart of the movie is his mother in a in an invisible way, and and now I can tell you that not so many months ago, his mother and Juan while they were chatting during the night outside the, the house, his mother confessed to Juan that she was also a contactee when she was a child, and it was a very healing moment. Oh Son, mother, very powerful, because now everyone believes Juan, and also they are having experiences together. Now they have, like, contacts they are they are seeing plenty of lights in the really? sky to this yes, day now to now. this day yeah the last time that i spoke to juan it was two months ago and he told me that the night before the they were 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 there yeah oh alan <laughs> you have just said so much i wish i we're, we're not uh, a we can't see each other now, but I wish you could see my face. I'm just shaking my head. The intergenerational component is something that refuses to go away. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Mary Rodwell out of Australia, who I work very closely with. Uh, if you don't know where you should, and maybe we... we I will. I okay. will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll make the connection. She's done some extraordinary work on this intergenerational aspect of contact experiences that will not go away. 
Mm. That aside, the fact I'm just I'm getting chills right now because the fact that you, this story that you share is you, you're saying was really the impetus for your going forward with this film. Yes, you're yes. really on to something huge, my friend. I mean, huge of really uncovering. We're gonna go. We're gonna go a little bit deeper into this on on the on the intergenerational side. Let's talk about Juan's grandfather. I mean, there's so many things. I I didn't think we were going to mm. go the full hour, but I think we're going to have to if you can. <laughs> I'd like to because <laughs> this is just so much, so many components to this. Let's bring the grandfather in as we're talking about this. The father, this. The, yes, the father of his mother. Yes. Um. Well, I don't know much about his his story. But what I know is that he passed away when Juan was 10 years old. Okay. And his grandfather was his main guidance. He was his guide. He, his grandfather taught him to, to hunt, to, to, to connect with his animals, to the, to the, to the land, how to, how to live, how to live. But, when he was 10, he passed away. He had a very difficult life. He was really wild, the wildest person in the town. He was really <laughs> tough. And, well, Juan loved, loves, uh, used to, to hang a lot with his, his grandfather. And I have to say that for me that it's pretty, it's pretty odd that two years after this event happened to Juan, that contact. And in the words of the shamans, for example, in the word of Francisco, the the last shaman in, in the movie, he told me that Juan, at the age of 12, was trying to to get answers about the death of his grandfather, trying to explain what happened to him. He was searching to himself. He was seeking to himself. And he got an answer in a pretty strange way because he got an answer from the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. But he was not able to integrate those symbols, those ex that experience, because he was alone. He, he was not next to his grandfather. He was not next to a shaman that would help him to integrate. And I, I remember that Juan told me one day that he was waiting for me because he he need more than in order to i now i'm 33 mm -hmm. but he, he he usually makes that show that he was waiting for me because he need he need me in order to understand what happened to him yes. but the only thing that i did is to bring all the pieces together and all the conclusion conclusions were thanks to juan because the my only job was to bring the shamans to him bring Jack Ballet, bring a psychiatrist, and it was a. Uh, we were a family. Jack Ballet usually says that that it was a, a teamwork. Mm -hmm. Th thanks to all of us, a person uh, healed, but also we got plenty of answers. And one of the things that I want to highlight in the in the for the for the future is that the importance of making follow-ups to the contactees. Because thanks to that follow-up, I was able to, 
to make a connection with his mother and she confessed to me that she was also a contactee. Mm -hmm. But th that was thanks to the empathy that we felt That's right. together to all the families. So it's really important to make follow-up because the contact itself, it's not the end of the interaction with the phenomenon. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. I was just going to say, oh, there's no question about that, Alan. Absolutely. And by the way, the, the empathy, I'm going to maybe sound like a broken record, but it comes through. And by the way, you, you, you brought in, you kind of slipped in, Dr. Jacques Vallée. I was going to have you talk about how that happened. Maybe we can just, <laughs> just a little thing, <laughs> Dr. Jacques Vallée. We in the field of ufology just think the world of him. And, and I know many of my, uh, I call them the journeyers, my audience know his work very well. Talk about that really quickly. How, I know that he had a, a known Juan previously. Yes. Uh, very briefly tell us how he came into the film. Well, it was thanks to all it was thanks to him because I only sent him a letter telling him that I was doing a project with with the story of Juan that he was not pretty well after the contact he was carrying a, a suffering for more than 3 decades and I only asked Jack that allows me to go to San Francisco and make an interview there asking about what he thinks that could happen to Juan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't know that I will receive a, an answer from him because he he's a really low-profile researcher. Mm -hmm. He doesn't yes. like to be on shows. So, But after a month, I received an email, pretty warm, one of the warmest emails I received. <laughs> and he was saying that he's really sad knowing that Juan was not actually good uh, that he was not able to integrate that experience, and also he was receiving me in San Francisco, and he was allowed. He he wanted to make this interview, and at the end of the letter, he said something like, "I have an idea, but I don't want to interrupt your project or your ideas. But what do you think if I go down to South America, to Argentina, to stay with you, to stay with Juan, to try to help mm. him, and make this?" A great scene for all of us, mm. and it, I, I think it was one of the best ideas and gift <laughs> to have Jack Ballet in in the project, and okay. he was really involved th the whole process. I I chat with him twice a week. We we are really close each other. Uh, it it was a terrific experience. This sounds like this whole thing sounds like a magical experience. I mean, like I said, at the beginning, there are words, you can say congratulations, all you want people. Now you're hearing all that went into it that I picked up from watching it, you will as well. And now we're getting the infrastructure. Alan is letting us know what happened. Truly magic occurred. And how what a blessing. Uh, I, I recall a scene where you and Juan and Jacques and a couple of other people are having a, a, a cheer, a toast, um, hmm. and a, kind of a reunion. It was just, it was just fantastic. I'm getting chills. Oh my gosh, and, so good. And it was all, all it was real, very spontaneous, mm. pretty organic. So I'm really happy because all that you are going to see in the movie was real. Yes, it comes through. It comes through. I can say that for sure. It absolutely does. Let's move on now to the regression because I want to spend a little bit of time on this. We're going to we're going to maybe touch on the intergenerational link again because I think it's going to bring us back there. But 
Let's talk about the regression. Now, you okay. and I talked about this a little offline. I want to bring this up to the audience. I want to point out that during this regression, as you're filming it, you did something um, that was portrayed in the film that was quite fascinating to me. Now, I don't know whether this is how it actually played out, but as the regression therapist was asking Juan to go back to the actual contact encounter and ask certain questions to those entities he was in contact with, yes. you show the childhood boy, and you'll see everyone in the film, obviously they're going to, uh, not obviously, but the way Alan does it, he cuts back and forth to the, the adult one and then uh, back to the childhood boy, uh, the 12-year-old. So the regression therapist is asking the childhood boy, the 12-year-old, literally to ask a couple of questions, several questions to the beings as if he's literally time traveled back to that period and almost altered the encounter by virtue of asking the question. And like I said, we talked about this offline and you kind of understood what I was saying. It, it's as if the regression acted as a sort of time portal where the past, mm. now I know we talked about this also offline, can we alter the past? Can yes. we shift the past from the point of the present? This is a whole other area of fascinating research called retrocausality. We'll leave that for now. But this came through, Alan, in the film. I'd never seen anything done like that before, where it's as if the encounter itself were altered by virtue of the questions that Juan was asking. Talk to me about that. Well, I think that scene and that moment, it was one of the most intense moment that we had with Juan and also for for my own experience it was fascinating to be in that room witnessing that experience and I invite to Dr. Nestor Berlanda to it was one of my ideas I wanted to make a regression because I wanted to know more about mm -hmm. what happened to Juan mm -hmm. I wanted to know if there are some lost memories during the, the case. And Juan accepted. Also, Dr. Berlanda thought that it was a good idea. And when we do it, when we did it, what actually happened was what, what you said. We altered the experience because we started to make questions or ask to Juan to make some questions to these beings or to the phenomenon because we wanted to know more. And while we were asking that question, Juan had answers for every question that he made. Mm -hmm. For example, w one of the things that he asked was, why are you here? And their response was, we have a lot of works to do. And the other thing that they showed to Juan was a vision, or, or it was something like a storm, or something that was coming to our earth and they were preventing to to that event from from happening they were like like how do i say like stepping away that storm to come mm -hmm. from to, to to our earth and and while he was chatting with this with these beings another phenomenon was happening in our reality in, in the room while we were we filming because the light from the set was starting to to move to to make like strange move and it was like synchronized 
with the the precise moment that Juan was asking to these things, the the, the light was starting to move very sudden, mm -hmm. very quickly. It was and and it was the, my first experience with something like that. Dr. Bernanda used to make plenty of of regressions, but it was the first one that he altered the reality of the regression because Juan was actually receiving answers from this phenomenon and pretty accurate and what and we don't know if he was having like uh, he was remembering because probably at the age of 12 he was not asking this question right exactly exactly yeah. these questions came from 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 us so but the, the, he was also having the same change of events because we were having the report and seeing that he was describing the same actions and events that it was descri uh, described on the reports uh, uh, until he had this uh, injured or this scratch on his arm because then after that something pretty strange happened because Juan was starting to see, he was describing stars, that he was like floating in mm -hmm. the air, and then suddenly he shot, he, he got into silence and said, oh, there are so many. This is not part of the movie, it's part of the regression. The, the regression lasted okay. two hours, so it was pretty long, wow. and the movie is just 10 minutes of regression. Right. And one said something that was really mind blow for for all of us because he said, "Oh, there are so many," and he was describing that there there were plenty of tall beings around him. Mm -hmm. And after that, he saw uh, something that was really powerful and emotional to him, and he broke down into tears. And then we stopped. Doctor Berlanda decided to stop the regression and Juan woke up he felt really strange and then I remember that I looked to Berlanda's eyes and he was like I don't know what happened here I, what what is this reality who are who are they who we are we started to to ask questions and mm -hmm. then I I went out the house and I started to walk and walk and walk because for me, as a in in a personal level, mm -hmm. it was it was a terrible experience because mm. uh, it my mind was was literally broken after that. Just in terms of you're not understanding what happened and how this all works is is that yes. what you mean? Okay. Yeah. Perhaps yes. that's why so many people, Alan, that have these anomalous experiences are so moved emotionally. It's not, it's like Juan said, uh, we mentioned earlier, I, I, it's not that it was bad nor good. I, I'm trying to remember exactly how he said it. It wasn't an ugly experience, but it wasn't, Yes. you know, yes. You, you just <laughs> don't know what to think about it. But I think it shakes the foundations of how we think reality works so much. Exactly. It can be terrifying exactly. and uh, liberating at the same time. It's almost like it's a living paradox, really. Yeah, mm -hmm. very interesting. And I was trying, and, and it was, 
difficult for me because I was trying to understand the phenomenon with my mind. Mm -hmm. And this experience was challenging me because I needed to understand with other parts of my my conscious, with right. my heart, with my emotions, because one of the things that I learned from Juan it was that the, the how do I say it? his innocence, his pureness, his openness, and I was not open by that time. And I really, I I, I really thank Juan because he was a, a teacher for me in 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 little details. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things that I learned also from the shamans that if we if we want to make contact with the spiritual realms, we have to be, we have to have like we have to have the heart of a child. We need to be behave as a child with that pureness, with that innocence. If not, we are not going to be able to contact anything. That's right. That's very well said. And I recall that they, they expressed that, you know, there were subtitles because they were speaking in their native tongue, uh, but subtitles very easy to follow. And that was conveyed humility. I always throw that in. There has to be such a big part of it. Being okay with not understanding. The left brain is yes. going to continue to question. Left brain is just, you know, if we can only learn to just let that rest in these times. And, and if we can get in the habit of doing that, perhaps more of us will have experiences like one where we don't have to go seeking them out. They come to you. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Listen, we're, we're <laughs> winding down. I'm so, oh, I want to go. For, we may have to have you back if you, would you come back if, because <laughs> there's so many areas. <laughs> course, I wanna, whenever you want. Oh, I love want. it. I love it. But for now, yes. we're going to, we're going to wind down. But there are a couple things I want to fit in. I still do not want to completely leave this, this intergenerational link, because I think that this was an overarching theme of this movie among Juan's uh, uh, yes. heal, um, healing. You know, it's been said that some who are plagued by paranormal phenomena, including contact encounters, may be carrying over from previous generations who had passed deeds or contracts that were made either in the physical or even spiritual or even interdimensional realms. Was there anything that you picked up on your conversations with Juan's ancestors, the indigenous people, that might give a clue that this could be the case? Because it seems that there may be some even intergenerational karmic influence at work here. Do you, hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Did that come to you at all? Yes, and I have my own thoughts because, um, but it's my personal view. You know that in the the Spanish conquest in South America was pretty tough. It was mm. terrible for the indigenous culture and Juan is a gaucho gaucho is yes. like a cowboy it's That's like right. a cowboy mm -hmm. and a gaucho also means that he has mixed blood he has half spanish and half uh, indigenous mm -hmm. but he was not uh, close to the guarani uh, culture to his indigenous roots he was not close the only person that was that has the the pure connection with that uh, culture was his grandfather but he he passed away when Juan was 10 years old so that why Juan was feeling pretty pretty alone after that and I think that the phenomenon helped it was more like a trigger that helped Juan to reunite with his roots with his culture mm -hmm. 
And rather than a, co a UFO contact, for me, it was more like a shamanic initiation. Oh. And the, the, the close circle was after 40 years. It, it begins at the age of 12, a pretty special age, because the age of 12, it's among the shamanic world, is like when you become a grown man and there are some rituals to do. It's So in the case of Juan, it was more like a rite of passage, but Juan was not able to integrate that knowledge. And one of the things that happened after that was the gift of the clairvoyance. And for the Guarani people, the way to connect to the spiritual realms is thanks to the dreams. So they connect with the phenomenon on their dreams because they say that the dream world is more real mm -hmm. and more important than our reality. Absolutely. Because our our reality is way much more contaminated than when we go to sleep because it's a more calm uh, reality. And they received all the information there. And, and the same happened to Juan, but Juan didn't know that that was a gift from his ancestors. But now he knew that, he knows that thanks to the process that we did with the movie. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say, Alan, because everything, and you have been so exquisite and articulate and bringing our audience some things. I don't know if you've talked about all these things with all the other people that have been interviewing. I like to think that I've got the exclusive here. <laughs> no, no, not, not so deep, not so deep. <sighs> I'm seeing, cliche as it may sound, synchronicity upon synchronicity, a path. You, you, you talk about shamanic initiation, and I am somewhat familiar, not with any one specific shamanic culture in the indigenous areas, but 12, I do recall being a peak, or not a peak, but a beginning of that initiation. And so many years and sometimes decades to complete it, there are no mistakes here. Even in the suffering that Juan has yes. taken mm. on, it seems like this was part of that initiation. As yes. well as you're coming into his life, as well as making this film, as well as all of the intuitive promptings that you were given at exactly the right time to direct him to where he needed to go. I'll never forget when he was on that plane on his way to Paraguay, looking out the window and smiling. Mm. It, maybe on some level he knew that there would be some, not just relief, but a, a revelation coming. This is deep, guys. I got to tell you, deep, I, <laughs> this film is even deeper now that I'm speaking to you than when I watched it. And it was deep then. I'm going to watch it again and again <laughs> and again. Listen, I'm, we're going to end this. And I want to, I'm going to end this with a quote. You say in the film, Quote, it seems as if we are a part of something so big, but have access to so little. End quote. Well, I can certainly say, Alan, that by your making this film, you've helped us gain greater access to a larger part of this mystery, for sure. Mm. And for that, I know that I am eternally grateful. I am. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Alexi. Thank you for this lovely interview. 
Well, it's been my pleasure. And we are going to have you back. Listen, so obviously the next obvious thing is working. People go see Witness of Another World. Tell us about that. Well, it's on. It's live now on Amazon, on iTunes, Google, mm. Xbox, PlayStation. Wow! So okay, yeah, it's now, everywhere. It's live everywhere. Okay, yeah, it's everywhere. We'll make sure to have a link for sure Thanks. to at least uh, several of them. So don't hang up. I want to say a couple of parting words before we do, but I'm going to say for now, so long to the journeyers. I hope you. Uh, conclude with this show and then go over and, and watch it you will not be disappointed and let me hear from you as always i want to get your your way on and what you saw and experienced once again thank you alan stippleman for joining us and we'll we'll definitely have you back and thank you to everyone out there in the higher journeys audience as always we appreciate you take good care <laughs>